Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Real Relationship Talk. I am your host, Dana Shea, and thanks so much for being here today. You all, today is episode 46, and we are talking all about hope and healing after awful abusive relationships. And today's guest is Tania Caesar Cornwell. I actually met Tania on the Almighty Instagram. Tania reached out and um, she began to share her story with me and asked if she could be a guest on the show. And I was really just drawn into the power of her testimony and all of the things that she experienced. Tania started experiencing trauma really even before she was born. And so she's just got an amazing story. um, And I really believe that you're going to be encouraged and inspired by not only what she's gone through, but more importantly, how God has delivered her from that. I do want to give a little disclaimer. If you are listening to this podcast with littles around you, you may want to consider either listening at another time or having them go in another Another room because we are talking about some pretty heavy topics. And so Tania is actually using her voice today to help people who were in similar situations or are in similar situations. She is the co-chair of the Violence Injury Trauma Action Team, and she serves on the Coordinating Council Board for Family Domestic Violence. And this conversation is pretty raw. Um, it's real, real. You'll you'll hear that in just a moment. Um, but I'm just really grateful for people like Tania who don't try to sanitize their stories. I mean, this is as raw as it gets, you guys. And so I hope that you are inspired by the revelation that she's experienced and the healing that God especially has brought to her life. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Tania Caesar Cornwell. so much to Nia for being here on the podcast today. I'm super excited about our conversation. And um, this is going to be just jam-packed. Even before we started the recording, we were talking about how your story is just so multi-layered and we could go yeah. in so many different directions. And so why don't you start off by just telling people a little bit about who you are today, um, married kids, you know, just kind of a snapshot of who you are today. Yes, absolutely. So I am 32. I reside in Southern Maryland with my husband and our five children. I serve, I currently serve on two boards that are very, I'm very passionate about coming out of my story. Um, so com- I felt completely compelled to do something to where I can reach other people and pull them out of darkness. And those two boards are the Violence Trauma Injury Action Team and the Coordinating Council Board for Family Domestic Violence. I work at my daughter's in high school as a dedicated sub there. I run a small business creating, marketing, selling natural hair and skincare products. I wrote a book this past year and I'm just praying for God to release me to have it published because it's finished. And yeah, those are those are just, just the different things. I'm an, I'm an advocate for mental health. I'm very passionate about that as well, coming out of a very traumatic experience this past year and a half. And um, I'm also an advocate for domestic violence, as you know, as we spoke about earlier. So that's 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 where I am. And it's yesterday I was actually self-reflecting and I was just like, wow, Lord, like, wow, I'm I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't know that I'll ever be able to wrap my my mind around where I am now compared to where I was. It's just it's unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely want to dig into your story. But I have to say that your hair and skin are glowing. 
So <laughs> whatever, whatever natural hair products and, and skin products you're using are, are definitely working. Um, all oh, right. Wow, so thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's just jump right in. You know, you're talking about the trauma that you've experienced over the last year and a half, but I know that your story goes back much, much further. So yes. tell us a little bit about kind of your early beginnings, how you grew up. And it's so interesting because as I've watched my life, other people's lives, I've seen that there's a trajectory that God has us on. And then there's also a trajectory that the enemy has us on. And so there are times that, uh, you know, due to no fault of our own, we get put on this trajectory of trauma and dysfunction. And so I know that that is a part of your story. So let's just jump right in and tell everybody a little bit about kind of how you grew up and what started this spiral. Okay, for sure. So for me, the spiral started, I would say even as early as conception, because from my mom, from my mother telling me I was not a planned pregnancy. In fact, she went several times to have me aborted. And the third time she just, they said that she needed more money. So she decided, okay, I don't, I don't have any extra money. So apparently she's meant to be here or this child is meant to be here. So she, she decided to have me, but because my mother was dealing with her own traumas from her past and she had not had the luxury or advantage of anyone coming in and helping her to come out of it, she was still dealing with it. And she, there was that rejection where I didn't have the affection from my mom from the, from the, from start, you know, from, from birth, I didn't have that from her. My father wanted nothing to do with me because he had a drug addiction and he was just, he was lost and he was out there doing his own, his own thing. So he didn't want anything to do with me and he denied me being his daughter. So my mother trying to deal with how to be a young mom, she was, she was 22. So um, she, for a while, you know, I was with her, but she was battling some stuff with her, with, um, with drugs herself. So I ended up going to go stay with my aunt when I was four years old. And I stayed with her for about a year or two. It was, it was during that time where I actually started to experience depression. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew that I felt sad. I was always so sad. And I just, I didn't understand like, why am I, why do I feel so sad? And when I, I realized, I realized now that when I was, when I would go to visit my mom on the weekends and she would bring me back to my aunt, that's when the sadness would really really seep in. And it was because I felt so rejected and not wanted. And I didn't understand why can't I be with my mom? I want to be with my mom. Don't get me wrong. My aunt, she was so amazing. She loved me. She, she really spent so much time with me. She actually, for me, was able to fill the void in some way because she really did spend a lot of quality time with me and she invested what she could. However, I just, I I really wanted my mom. And I, at that age, I knew that and I felt her absence. So once I came to live back with my mom, she was, she was in a relationship, another relationship. And I, it was still that, that disconnect from her and I, during that time is when I was sexually abused. And upon that sexual abuse is when I, the door for masturbation for me and I'm being, I'm just being very raw and honest right now because it's serious. Like this is what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And for me, masturbation, it's horrible as, as it sounds, it was, a, it was comforting for me. It was something that I thought was normal. And 
the door opened, of course, through me being molested and then other things just being ex- like I, that I was exposed to through watching things on TV and just, you know, just those those doors. And so once that started to happen, I started, I, you know, I just that was something that was a, it became a stronghold. It became a stronghold in my life. And I was only seven, eight years old. Mm. And it's interesting because um, that's during that time is when I also was introduced to another aunt who loved, loved the Lord. I studied her all the time because we were very close. We were extremely close. So she read the Bible. I watched her. I watched how she read the Bible. She prayed. She taught me how to pray. She, she was in church all the time and I was with her all the time. So I was in church all the time along with her family. And because, because she had a different something was something different about her it gave me a curiosity to know who is who's Jesus you know I want to know who Jesus is because if he can make someone like you that beautiful to love me and to see me the way you do I want to I too want to know Jesus and if he can if he can transform me and I can have that same confidence that you have and and I can be happy and joyful like you I want that Mm -hmm. so I accepted Christ and it was it's, it's also interesting because that at the same time that's when I started to that was when I first had started having panic attacks and anxiety attacks. So at the same time of me giving my life to, to the Lord and having this experience with God, I started having panic attacks. I would always talk freely, talk about, talk about God at, at, um, at school. So um, it's, you know, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and the enemy knew, oh gosh, get her, you know, because he knew, he saw God is going to do something with this one. Mm-hmm. This one is different. And I was being attacked in all types of ways when I like the enemy just he was after me but he knew that I loved the Lord he knew that I loved Jesus and during that time Jesus really had to become my my everything like I really had to press into that relationship and that intimacy and I always prayed always talked to God always listened to worship music yeah it was just it was just a wild time and eventually because I continued continued to pray and because I continued to be around my community of supportive people in my church, I God did heal me. He did heal me. He did bring me out of that situation, but it was rough. So now that you're a teenager, you're living with your mom still at this point. And then uh-huh. was your relationship with God still growing or were you kind of back and forth, like kind of transition us into what happened in your teen years? Yeah. So as a teenager, my relationship with the Lord it started to dwindle down. It's, it, it started, there was, there became a wedge in our relationship because I was, the depression started to infringe again. And because I was around a group of people that were into and involved in a very promiscuous lifestyle, and I didn't really have a structured household of parents that were involved enough to not allow me to be around these people, I was very rebellious. I went into a huge, strong, rebellious period. And during this period is when I started having an eating disorder. I started cutting. I started running away from home. And I started being going boy crazy. And during that teenage time period is when also when I met my, my oldest daughter's I met their father and I was, I was 14 when I met him and clearly I was young. He was young. I was 14. He was 18. 
And it was very abusive. It was a very abusive relationship. He knew he knew that the household, the, the dysfunctional environment that I was in, in and a part of, he just knew that I was vulnerable. You know, he saw that and he took full advantage of that. And there was a lot of verbal abuse. There was physical abuse. There was sexual abuse. Our relationship was based on a lot of, of sex and it was just all the time. And it was just so toxic because there was a, I mean, clearly I was young for one, you know, 14 years old. So that's, let's start with that, not married. And, and then also that was what we did all the time rather than get, you know, him caring about me and asking me about me and me doing the same, that it, our relationship was based on arguing and him calling me out of my name because he was always accusing me of cheating and things like that. And then us having sex, you know, that was, that was what was, that was what lured me to him and what kept, there was a stronghold on, on that relationship because I thought sex was love because that's what I was seeking. I was always chasing love from the very beginning. Love is what I wanted, it was what I needed, and I was going to get it. And so this relationship, having sex all the time, I thought, oh, this is love, right? Because this is what I see in porn- pornography. This is what I see on TV and movies. So that's love. They love each other, not realizing that, no, that's, that is not love. That's a very distorted version of, of what God made to be sacred. That is something that the enemy twisted. That's not love. That's, perver- that's perversion. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought otherwise. So this is what I was doing with him. And, you know, eventually it led to me getting pregnant at 15 and had my first child at 16. And then because I was 16 with a child and because I thought that I loved him so much and there was an inkling of um, consciously, like, I know that I need to get married because I'm not supposed to be having sex, not married, you know, maybe I should get married. And the abuse continued. He cheated on me constantly. And it just, it continued for after, after we got married, I was 16, that continued for a year. And then I got pregnant with my second child at 17. And then after that, it's when I started to get really sick because I was so stressed. I was so overwhelmed. And by that point, numb and drained, he was not there. He was always running the street and just, he was, he was a very, he was just not there. He was very absent. And, you know, of course that was a trigger for me. That was a trigger. You're not, you know, you're absent and this is what I've experienced my whole life. So I just remember going into a a breakdown and becoming a mute person. I just, I didn't talk. I didn't eat. I started to um, physically get sick. I started losing weight. I was down to a hundred pounds. And my doctor at the time was like, okay, we need to start testing your organs for organ, possible organ failure, because you've lost a, a mass amount of weight in a very short time. I just, I was so out of it. When I tell you I was out of it, I was out of it. Walking down the highway by myself, barefoot, crying and screaming because I was so sad and just angry at my life at the time. Being around people and just being, not being able to look people in the eye when I spoke to them and talk to them, looking at the grounds, not feeling worth anything. You know, it was just, it was just awful. It was so awful. But because I started to physically get sick in my body and I no longer desired food. I was losing weight and my doctors were afraid. That's when I was like, okay, I, if I don't get out of this relationship, I'm going to die, you know, because my body started to respond. So I did step away from him only to get into another abusive relationship with a guy who was much older than me. Cause at the time I was 17, this guy was 26 and immediately got into that relationship rather than heal, rather than seek God and 
go to therapy and just, you know, heal, I jumped into that other relationship as soon as I, as soon as someone else showed me, showed me any type of interest and desire, I immediately went for it because again, I feared being alone. I feared being by myself. I feared, I feared rejection and I just, I didn't want to be alone. And so I, I was so eager to get love and to chase love. The crazy thing is there were people around me telling me this isn't right to me. This isn't okay. But my mind, you couldn't tell me anything because my mind was gone. And I got into this other relationship and eventually and surely, slowly, but surely he started to become physically abusive, verbally abusive. And, you know, I just went through the, the same thing all over again, only this physical abuse heightened and, he was, you know, if had I stayed in that relationship, I'm convinced he would have probably killed me because he was that type of person. But I got out of, you know, six months in that into that relationship. I got out of that relationship and into another relationship, not taking a pause, not taking a breather, thinking, OK, well, maybe this one's different. Maybe he's different. Got, did the same thing. You know, eventually he started to become abusive. It's, do you feel crazy. did you feel at the time that like, did you ever confuse? physical abuse with love like did you ever feel like if they're hitting me or if they're abusing me they must really care about me did you ever have those thoughts yes because after the leaving my my ex-husband when I got into the relationship with the guy who was much older than me I was very naive I was so much younger than him and I just I, I didn't know what love was and I remember him telling me this is love me putting my hands on you because if if I'm not if a guy is not putting their hands on you if he's not hurting you or if he's not abusing you in that way that means he's cheating on you so it's either one or the other there's no in between it's either he's abusing you or he's cheating and I believe that wow and that's just so like deep to me you know because it's when you're talking about the void that was that was left by the abandonment issues that you felt by your father, by feeling rejected by your mom, you literally had no foundation of like what healthy relationships were. You had no foundation of what true love was. And so that did, it, it opened you up and made you vulnerable to somebody else telling you what love was. And that is obviously not what love is. Ladies, I have just the workshop for you. You guys, so many of you have struggled with making boundaries. Some of you right now know that you need to create boundaries in your life, but you don't know how. Many of you might wonder, am I selfish? Do I really have the right to tell this person no? Maybe it's an employer. Maybe it's a spouse. Listen, I am doing a boundaries workshop on Friday, July 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m. This is one workshop you are not going to want to miss. Your relationship cannot afford for you to miss this workshop. We are going to come together as a group of women, we are going to talk about what it means to create boundaries, what it means to say no without feeling guilty, how to have confidence in actually asserting yourself and doing it in a way that you won't come across as mm, itchy with a B. Okay. And so ladies, you are going to want to come on Friday, July 23rd, 7 to 9 p.m. Be sure to register today at danashay.com forward slash workshops. Can't wait to see you there. Now let's get back to our show. When we broke up, I moved back in with my mom and I was working at a high school, at a local high school. And I uh, met my now husband. I met him there and we were both, you know, coming out of a very, just out of trauma. We were coming out of trauma and just bad relationships. I was not in my relationship with the Lord at the time. That was the furthest from my mind. 
he, I always had like Jesus was always there, but not, you know, it, he wasn't, we weren't in relationship. We weren't, we just weren't in relationship. So because of that, you know, I was still in that rebellious, in that rebellious state. And I was, I was, I started, I was smoking weed. I was, you know, hopping into this next relationship, getting out of that last relationship with, with that person and meeting my now husband. And we were friends. I will say we were friends at first and we were, we bonded initially on trauma. And then we quickly, after, after that month, we got into a relationship. I ended up sleeping with him and we got into that, got into a relationship, moved in together. And four months into that relationship, I got pregnant with my oldest son. And I finally finalized my, my first divorce or my first divorce, my, my divorce with my first husband, finalized that. And then contended with the relationship with my now husband and that relationship starting off with off was not smooth sailing. We had several breakups in the beginning. We moved way too fast. Neither of us had any type of idea of what a healthy relationship was. Love was, you know, we just, we just didn't have had that idea or example. So upon our last breakup, I remember just sitting in my living room. I was eight months, maybe seven months pregnant. And I just, I just thought I was going to go for a walk. And while I was walking, I was crying, just crying hysterically. And I ended up in front of a church and I walked inside the church. It was a man standing at the, the entrance and I walked up to him and I was like, can you please help me? I need help. I need you to help me. He was like, okay, what's, what's wrong? Are you like, what do you mean you need help? And I was just like, I don't like my life right now. It's just a mess. And I need you to tell me like how to get out of this and what I need to do to, to put it back together or something. Cause this, I, something has to give, like, I can't live like this anymore. And he sat me down. He was very non-judgmental. He talked to me and he was very, he was just very fatherly and very sweet to me. And I, as I share with him, my whole life story, he was just like, okay, you need to like, right now your flesh is very strong and your spirit is so weak. God wants to be in relationship with you and he loves you and you need, he wants you to come back into that intimacy so that he can heal you and restore you because he wants to do that. But you need to, you need to come back to him and you need to, you, you have to start now. And so I received what he said, for some reason, what he said penetrated and he invited me to service the next day. And I started going to service. I met one of my closest friends, Melissa, and we became friends. And then she introduced me to my best friend, Delena and her sister. I met them. And these women, these three women were my, they became my examples. I saw them as women that love the Lord. Not only did they, did they love the Lord, they were in, they were in marriages. My, one of my best friend, Delena, she was in a marriage that I had never seen before, which was very healthy. God used that situation to, to uh, start to transform me. And because I was in church and I was constantly around people, I started going back to church. I, I gave my life back to Jesus. And I realized that I wanted a healthy relationship as well. So we did get, we got married, but at, after we got married, my husband had no, he still, he didn't have a desire to, to know the Lord. He didn't have a desire to go to church. And I, I continued to go to church, even though he wasn't there. I took our, our I was taking our kids to church. I, w- I was praying all the time and I was around people, examples who, whose families went to church together and prayed together and worshiped together. So I just continued to trust God that he would do the same for my husband. So you had divorced, you know, the first, your first husband. And so then yes. you dedicated your life to the Lord. 
And then now your now husband is now on his journey of like, you know, coming to know the Lord basically through watching your relationship. Is that right? Yes. He, he watched my relationship, but also I nagged him. (laughs) I nagged him like, listen, I need you to get saved. I want you to get saved. I'm going to church and I'm seeing all these other couples. They're saved. They're, you know, they're, they're worshiping together. They're raising their family and the Lord. And it's so beautiful. And it's something that I've always wanted. And I realized that that was love. Those relationships, what I saw in my church, how I saw those families interacting with each other and how, how, how healthy their, their families and their homes were upon me visiting and just having friendships with them and just, you know, observing, I realized that that was love. That's what healthy relationships look like. Yeah. I think that's so important that, you know, because like what we do here, you know, with real relationship talk is we're always talking about healthy relationships and assuming that people know what those are. But what you're saying is that like the way that you grew up and the relationships that you have been involved in, you hadn't really seen face to face what a healthy relationship looks like. And so these people that God brought through your life, through your church. And so as you begin to see them involved with their spouses and involved with their children and, you know, serving and loving and just being normal people, right. But loving each other, that's what you saw, um, an example of a healthy relationship. And that's what you wanted. Yes. That's what I saw. And that's what I wanted. And I knew God wanted that for me too. I knew he wanted that for me. So I, I prayed, I prayed about that. I started fasting for my husband and I remember the Holy Spirit said so loudly to me, your husband's going to be saved. And I was just like, whoa, two weeks later, me, my husband and I, we had gotten into a little tiff and I was just like, you know what? I love you. And until you, I'm going to love you until, even, until, even if you don't come to the Lord right now, I'm still going to love you because that is my responsibility. And my job as your wife is to love you where you're at. That's, that's how God loves us. That's, that's what he's done for me my whole life. He loved me where I was and he never um, loved me any less, you know? So I'm going to do the same for you. And when you're ready to come to the Lord, I want it to be because you want to, not because I'm nagging you or badgering you about it, but because your heart wants to. In about 30 minutes, he called me. He was like, I- I'm ready. I want to be saved. And I was just like, did you hear what I said at the last conversation? <laughs> you don't have to do this because I want you to do this. I want you to do it because you want to. And he was like, no, I want to. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was just, it was just amazing. And very, um, it was a very pivotal, pivotal time in my marriage and in my life. And I'm, I'm just enamored by God. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really great. You know, I want to go back to a part of your story where you were talking about going from one abusive relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. Was there anything in you that saw like red flags? Was there anything in these men um, that you saw or did you not think about that at all? Was it not like, was that not on your radar? Like, okay, he's being jealous or possessive or was there anything that you saw that like was a pattern as you were going through it? Like, obviously now that you're on the other side, you can probably look back and be like, okay, I saw, you know, all of these things, but when you were actually in the relationship, did you see anything like that? Starting off with these relationships? Nope. Because I'm not sure. I mean, you probably do know, but you know how, when you first get into a relationship, you're, you're trying to be in your best behavior because you don't want someone to be able to see that and then run or, you know, not be with you. So initially upon first meeting these different guys, every single time with every relationship, they would always show me a completely different side, which was kind and nice and just, you know, reeling me in with with words of affirmation and just being very supportive and encouraging through my past and made me laugh and just all the different things that 
for me what would make me want to be with them. Mm-hmm. And then it was later on when they started to to uh, become possessive and jealous. And I wasn't allowed to wear V-neck shirts or makeup or personality glasses because it made me look like I was marketing myself and I was off the market and I wasn't allowed to be around family. I was isolated and you know, physical abuse would follow. And then it was just one thing after another. So, but those never, those, those things were not indicators in the beginning. It was always in the middle of our relationship where, where it would come out and I would be like, oh, well now, you know, it's like, I've already built this relationship and maybe it's strategic. It's probably strategic because, you know, you, it's to pull you in so that you get that emotional attachment. So that it's harder for you to leave. Right. But thankfully, thankfully God was by the grace of God, I did leave. And, you know, God led me to something amazing. And and so I think about people who might be listening, maybe they have children or teenagers or who have young adult children. And a lot of times it's not always like, you know, oh, I abandoned my child or, oh, I'm abusing my child. But if you're emotionally unavailable to your children, then those kids have no foundation of what healthy, loving relationships are. And so that too leaves them vulnerable to then be susceptible to other people telling them what love is. And so I just think it's by the grace of God, you know, that you were able to come out of those relationships and you were able to obviously, you know, turn your life to the Lord and God led you to that church. Um, So I just really see like God's hand on your life, even though there were traumatic situations, even though there was abuse and all of these things that we've talked about, like God's hand. And even as I was talking about earlier, these two trajectories that God has you on a path and the enemy has a path that he wants you to walk on. But even through the hard times, God's hand was still on your life. You know, I was so attracted to your story because no matter what people go through, I truly believe that like, if you would just surrender to the Lord, if you just surrender to his leading in your life, he can take any terrible situation, toxic, traumatic situation, and he can literally turn it around for your good. Yes, absolutely. And that's what he did. That's what he did for me. When I tell people my story, I mean, I could talk all day about it. There are things that I, I mean, I can't even fully go into detail because of our time here, but all the trauma that you went through that should have easily that could have easily institutionalized you or easily killed you you are able to stand here and speak about your situation you are able to stand here with confidence you actually know what love is you've been delivered and set free from the strongholds that the enemy had on your life and now you're out here handing buckets of water to people that are that are still in the fire like you come out of the fire but you're not you didn't leave anybody you're actually able to hand them buckets of water and help them to get out of it and that's only god that's only god yeah. Did you oh, ever get any mental help, um, like mental health professionals? Like, did you ever go to therapists? I've, I've gone to therapists. A lot of the healing that happened for me was through serious seeking of, of the Holy Spirit and just me really having close intimacy with, with the Lord and, and other people around me who were my therapists, friends and people who um, just, you know, were very versed, well-versed and, and just talking to people and encouraging them. They, they were, they were my sounding boards of wisdom and they would come alongside me and they were pouring to me because there were a lot of times where I couldn't even afford to go to counseling. So God would put other resources in my life. And there were people who were, who were around me, my friends, especially, they were able to pour into me and help me. And it was, you know, a lot of it was honestly me seeking God. And I can't even, I can't express that enough. It was literally me seeking God and God revealing things to me. And people don't realize that 
that when you seek, when you are able to seek God in a way that it's where it's just you and God and it's every day and you are in the presence of God every day, immersing yourself in the word, renewing your mind to scripture. That's what, that's where a lot of the mental turnaround and transformation came from was renewing my mind to the word of God. No, 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 no. What does God say about your situation? What does God say about who you are? You are this. What does God say that love is? I had to renew my mind to the word of God. That is what was the ultimate, ultimate healing for me is renewing, renewing my mind. And then praying, being around people who, who, who uh, knew the word of God, who helped me to encourage me in that as well. And there were, from time to time, I was able to go to a therapist that was um, either in my church, that there was therapy there, or just, um, I remember one time going to a therapist about a year and a half ago when I was going through a, a horrible time of, of, of darkness, um, just, um, I was, go- I was going through a severe depression, but I remember going to a therapist and because I was so filled with the Holy Spirit and because I knew, again, my relationship with the Lord was amazing. I was just being attacked. I mean, you're going to go through stuff your whole life. That's we're not exempt. No matter how close we are to God, we're going to go through. I mean, look at every single person who God used in the Bible. They went through crazy stuff mm-hmm. and yet God still used them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I say that because when I went to that ther- therapist, I just remember talking to him, sharing with him my story. And then ha- I had a resolution for everything. And I was just, you know, a, a coping skill for everything. And I was just telling him, you know, but God, this and God says this, and I've been doing this. And when I get up in the morning, this is what I do. And he was just looking at me like, then why why are you here? And I was just like, I don't know. I just maybe I, I needed to come here to process this. I don't know. Maybe I needed you to help me to process this. And he said to me, you know, I feel like this was an ordained appointment because I feel like you've actually touched me because it's so refreshing to hear someone be so on fire for the Lord like this. God is doing something in you, and that's very refreshing. And you've actually helped me today. <laughs> you've actually touched me. You've actually put that zeal back in me because you know I needed that. And I was just like, well, I'm I'm thankful to have done that. But after leaving there, I just didn't feel like God was telling me to go back. I don't know. I feel like I, I fulfilled my purpose in going there for that day. And I just remember the Lord saying to me, no, you don't. I mean, therapy is great. I recommend it for everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm so for it. Like, I think a therapy is amazing. But I guess in, in that season for me, God was just, you know, throughout the seasons. I guess, I don't know. God was, he had me on a different path, you know? So um, I'm just thankful. And it's, it, for, for me, it was supernatural. It was through the Holy Spirit that was helped me to tra- transform my mind. Well, thank you so much, Tania, for being yeah. so just open and raw and transparent. And yeah. you know, again, I know that there's so many different facets of your story. And I feel like <laughs> there are people, I feel like there are people who are going to be able to really connect with different parts of your story. And yeah. I love just the redemption. This whole series is called Hope because no yeah. matter how far you go, no matter how out there you are, no matter how dark your life becomes or whatever comes your way, I truly believe that there's always hope. And so just thank you so much for what you shared today on the podcast. If people want to connect with you, where's the best place to find you? They can find me on my Instagram, which is Tania underscore Caesar Cornwell. They can also find me on Facebook at Tania Caesar Cornwell. And I will link to both of those in the show notes of this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, Thank you for having me. It's such a blessing to be able to come on here and, and share. So thank you. You're so welcome. 
You know, Tania's story just reminds me of, yet again, the importance of knowing how to set proper boundaries in our lives and in our relationships. And as you heard in the episode, Tania didn't grow up with a lot of boundaries. And so she just kind of was out there just trying to find love in all the wrong places and trying to fill voids in her life. And you guys, I'm not trying to sell you a product. I really, truly do believe that when we learn how to set proper boundaries in our relationships and teach our children to do the same, we are protecting ourselves from situations like Tania went through. So be sure to head over to danashay.com forward slash workshops and register for the upcoming Boundaries Workshop. Well, Tania, I'm just so grateful for what you were able to bring to our podcast community today. If you all resonated with this, or maybe you have some follow-up questions, be sure to reach out to me. You can send me a direct message on Instagram. I am at Dana Shea Williams. Or, of course, you can always go on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts, and leave a rating or a review. Well, that wraps it up for our show today. If you have any questions and want to reach out to me again, you can always find me on Instagram at Dana Shea Williams. You can send me a message there. And I look so forward to our next and final conversation in this hope series. We have the amazing Deborah Fry, who is a grief specialist, and she's going to be talking to us all about grieving with hope. And so guys, thank you so much for being a part of this community. I hope and pray and trust that these podcast episodes are blessing you, are encouraging you, and are inspiring you. So until next time, have a great week, and I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Hey there, it's Carly Mercouli, your host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.